Welcome to the Governance Podcast with me, your host, Mike Simmons. This podcast is for governors across the Diocese of Chichester and Chelmsford and very soon Liverpool. So I hope that you enjoy and benefit from the back catalogue as well as the podcasts that we'll be developing over the coming academic year. Because, of course, it is a new a new year, the academic year 23-24. And there'll be many exciting and important things for us to consider together. Well, this first podcast is going to be dedicated to the theme of admissions and the governor's role in the whole admissions area. To help us, I'm joined by Cathy Slow, an advisor from the Diocese of Chichester. Now, some of what she says will be relevant specifically to those of you who are governors in the Diocese of Chichester, but I hope most of it will be relevant elsewhere. If any doubt, please do contact your local advisors or your diocesan website. So without further ado, let me introduce Cathy Slow. Well, thanks for joining me, Cathy. Uh, Cathy Slow works for the Diocese of Chichester, or at least has done for quite a number of years, but is moving on to fresh fields uh, this this term. Nearly Cathy, nine years, Mike. Nine years. Mm. It's a lifetime. Seems like it sometimes, but it's been a lovely job. So uh, I know everybody's appreciated so much of what you've been able to contribute. Your you. one of your expertise seems to have been admissions. So I want to talk to you for a few moments about admissions. What what is admissions? Well, I suppose what we all know is that it's the process how by which children get into school. And so it's the process by which parents, carers, apply for a place at your school and of course that depends very much on what sort of school you are as to how that happens although all processes go through the local authority by means of a common application form and it's governed by the school admissions code which is most recently the September 21 code and it comes out under an act called the standards school sorry school standard and framework act which no one really needs to know apart from that's mm-hmm. where admission sits so it's about it's a mixture of what we must do and some guidance along how you might do it so um, a couple of things you mentioned there one is um depending on the type of school and then the role of the local authority perhaps you could just unpack that because we do we know we've got va schools voluntary um voluntary controlled schools Um, and we've got academies. Yes, so in the old days, it was relatively simple. We had aided schools and controlled schools, and aided schools are what's called the admission authority for their schools. That's the governing board of the admission authority. And for all other schools, controlled schools, uh, that would be, and of course, community schools, that would be the local authority. However, once you become an academy, whether you were a controlled school or a previously aided school, then the trust is the admission authority. And that may mean that you are, as a local governing board, if that's how your trust works, the admission authority, because they've delegated that to you, or it may mean that the trust actually does it. But however, the trust are actually the admission authority. 
authority in that situation. So governors have lots of responsibilities, which you'll probably go through with me a little bit in the questions around how they manage those admissions and how they relate to the local authority or to their trust. Right. That's quite complex, isn't it, in a sense? But uh, it, it is the detail of that is on our website. And yes. so um, obviously it can be advice can be taken from other advisors within the diocese and the local authority for that matter. Yeah, well, it, it sounds complicated, but fundamentally there are there are sort of three possibilities. One is the local authority manages all your admissions. The other is the governing board manages the admissions and they may have some support from the local authority for in-year admissions. And the other is that the trust is responsible, but the local board do the day-to-day management of that. And that latter one will be clearer from the scheme of delegations. So Absolutely, yeah. So, for instance, if you are in a DCAT school, they have local governing boards in all their schools and they manage the admissions locally, but there are guidance policies from the trust, which schools eventually move to as they move into the trust. So they take what they had and then they become part of that trust admissions with, with, with variations for each local school. Yeah, thank you. So DCAT, just for those who are in other lo- other dioceses listening, uh, is the Diocese of Chichester Academy Trust. Yes, but I slipped into lo- a shorthand there, didn't I? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, there are other trusts all over the country and they will uh, be very similar, no doubt. Yeah. So here we are. It's autumn term 23 in the academic year 23-24. What precisely do governors need to do this term, this autumn term? Well, the most important thing is to remember that every year, if you are the admission authority and or if that's delegated to you by your trust, you need to review your admissions policy and arrangements. So that will include the policy and anything additional, which might be a supplementary information form, which measures how how we uh, apply the faith criteria if you have them. So that's important to do really by the beginning of October, because if you haven't consulted on your admission arrangements, and we'll talk a bit about that in a minute, or for seven years, or you want to make changes, then you must go through a formal consultation process and the window of that opens on the 1st of October. So the first thing you do is to bring to your full governing board your admission arrangements in the autumn term to see if you want to make any changes, or if you have to consult because you haven't done so for seven years. So if you decide you want to make some changes, when yes. and you go through the process, which we'll talk about, when when does that come into play? Well, this is the thing about admissions is that because if we were to consult this year, so we go back to schools in September, obviously 2023, and the window runs 23 to January 24. But what we're consulting on is for admissions for September 2025, because it takes quite a while for that whole cycle to work. Now, that seems quite complicated, but there is guidance on the website on that. So it's much easier to read. And there is a timeline on how that operates. So I suggest we leave that for the timeline. But basically, we're consulting a year and a half ahead of of those admissions that are going to come in. So now you've they've decided they want to make a change. How how does that consultation take place? 
So again, there's, there is guidance on the website and the guidance on the website covers two things. It covers the process of how you consult and the musts which are in the code. You could also read the code if you wanted, but we've summarized it for you. And a draft letter or model letter that you can use to say what you're consulting on and why you're consulting. So the, the important things to remember are that there are a set of people or authorities or, or bodies that you must consult. And that's given on our website in the guidance. It's also in the code. And that you have to consult within this window, which opens on the 1st of September and closes at the end of January, which will be the 30th, I think, in January. And that's a six-week full process, which you must follow and you must for the whole of that time, have your proposed admission arrangements on your website and let people know how they can um, contribute to that. So if they want to make a comment, where they make a comment. And usually we do that by email, but we also do it by a box in the school in case people can't actually get access to email to do that. And then about halfway through that, you have a look at the comments. And at the end of it, you look at all the comments and you think about whether or not your proposed change are reasonable and acceptable to that whole community that you serve, whether you might want to tweak them or not, or whether you, you might want to keep them as they are. And then you go through the whole process of what's called determining your admissions. And this is something that governors do every year, whether they've consulted or not, and they have to do it by the end of February. So they formally say, this is these are our admission arrangements for the, not the next year, but the year on. So in January or February 24, it will be September. 25 this is what we're going to have in place and then we formally publish them and as far as governors go Mike what's important to know is that must be a minuted uh, uh, record so you have to formally minute that we have agreed or the formal word is determine this policy and it now will go on the website so that people can see what they're going to look at in September if they want to apply for our school for the following year. So in what way would you want the diocese, any diocese for a governor listening to this, uh, to be involved? How do we approach yeah. the diocese? When do we do that? And that's a good question, isn't it? Because almost all schools that are there in the admission authority will will have a diocese involvement, unless perhaps you're a trust coming in from a, a community school. So the first thing that's really important to do is if you are considering consultation, come to the diocese with your plans. So before you go out to formal consultation, you must consult with the diocese on any faith changes. So anything that you've got in your oversubscription criteria that relates to admission under attendance at, at church. However, we advise you to come to us because if there's something else you're changing, we can have a look at it and see, is that okay or isn't it? And how can we help you with it? So that's the first step. Once we've seen it, we say, yes, okay out to consultation. The diocese is also one of the consultees. So if you are a diocesan school, you consult with us as part of that round. And in the past, if I've already been involved with the school, I've said, when you consult, that's fine. We'll just, we just approve it. But if there happens to be an issue, then at that point, we might need to pick it up. And if it's a major issue, and we have had these, it might actually go to the board for consideration, the DPE. So basically, we're there to give the support and to be, I suppose, forewarn if there's going to be a likely issue with. with yes, so we are supportive partners, but we also do have 
the authority, I think, perhaps under faith um, criteria to say, we're not sure that that's something that will work. And of course, what the code says, which is a, a rather vague statement, is that schools must have regard to the advice from their diocese. So um, there are cases when schools have decided not to have regard. But on the whole, we work very closely in this diocese anyway. A mother diocese might be different, hand in hand with our schools to say, let's help you get this right so that it works for you and your community. So in drawing up an admissions policy, a draft that they're going to consult on, are there one, two or maybe three things that should be uh, avoided in that uh, policy? Yes, it's a little bit like avoid and also make sure you've got in place. So one of the first things, the must, which I think everyone knows, is we have to have as the first criterion looked after and previously looked after children and children who were previously in care overseas. I think we've got that clear because we've given lots of advice on it. But what people sometimes don't realise is that children that have um, an EHCP don't sit within those criteria. So they come out of it and basically your policy will say that children who have an ECP naming the school will be given a place. And of course, if that's a place within the allocation of the PAN, then they'll take one of those. If it comes after, then often schools will go over that published admission number to take the child. The other thing is that if we are looking at faith criteria, we really do need a supplementary information form. Things like letters from clergy are not good enough. They're not going to stand up in, in a um, if we, we have to go to a tri tribunal or if there's a, an appeal, they just won't stand up. So do have a supplementary information form. And remember that when you consult, that's part of the consultation and it should be on your website. I think the other thing that we often get tripped up on is schools that have nurseries wanting to put nursery places higher up in their criteria. So if you have a nursery and you want to say that children attending that nursery might have priority at your school, you can do it, but you mustn't disadvantage children that couldn't get to the nursery. So it can't be too high up in, in that list. And I think that's something to take advice on if you're thinking of doing it so that we can make sure that it does comply. All of this suggests to me the importance of taking advice and not just carving a, a, our own pathway as it were as a board of governors absolutely um, yes mike and and i've been a governor sitting on the other side too and uh, at one point which was a governor in exeter and i found that in exeter diocese very helpful and i think that was my beginning of admissions journey because i started to understand if you don't get it right there can be some issues and, and one of those can be having to take more children than you have got places for and needing to appoint an additional teacher so you know key stage one we know that classes are limited to 30 under infant class size regulation. And so if we get it wrong, we could end up having to employ another teacher. So that's something we really don't want to have to do. That really is a salutary warning. So thank you. Can I just clarify a couple of other things? First of all, um, the COVID guidance that was in place for the oh. period of the pandemic, does that still exist or is that now part of our history? Right. Well, we hope it's part of history, but I've just heard that cases are up again. So I think it's, you know, something that may be around. I think what's interesting, though, it wasn't so much COVID guidance as guidance for when churches may be closed. And so whilst none of us want to think of anything else going wrong that might cause um, 
churches to have to close. I think it's a wise thing to keep in place just in case. So it applies to any church closure. It came out of COVID because, of course, that was when we had to close churches. But it could be something that occurs outside of that COVID particular uh, 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 pandemic. Sorry, I couldn't get that word right. So the basic rule is it has to stay there unless you consult on removing it. And as it's a relatively innocuous piece of uh, guidance, I would say leave it. I don't think there's much reason to consult and take that out. Because I suppose the scenario could be that an individual parish church may have to close because of asbestos or some other awful thing just for yes, a period. Exactly. And that period may, may, may kind of cover when parents want to, to get permission from their, their local priest. Yes, and we did actually have that with one of our schools where the church was closed for rebuilding. And so it, we didn't have that in place at the time, but it would have been really helpful because it made it clear that that attendance at worship didn't apply for the time when the church was closed. Right. Great. OK. Well, finally, just to sum up, really, I suppose, is uh, and I think you've already referred to it. What is the main document that um, governors may want to download from the DFE? to ensure they've got it in front of them when they're looking at this particular issue? So it's the school admissions code. And the most recent one is was published in September 21. So that is on our website for you to access. And you've also got the school appeals code on there, which was reviewed in September 22 and remains very much like the previous one, but was slightly changed to allow remote hearings again another thing that came out of covid so we don't necessarily have to gather everyone to be uh, at the appeal we can do it in hybrid or in person or just remote but those documents are on our website and you can access them there as well as guidance on policies some type of model that you can use but it's not really a model it more says what you should have in place and how to construct a policy and the diocesan guidance on what what we expect from our schools a timeline and consultation guidance Kathy, that's great what you've summed up in uh, about 16 17 minutes is i'm sure going to be very helpful to governors so i much appreciate your time and your expertise on this issue. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike, and I hope it's helpful. And I'm sure that if people do need individual advice, they will get in touch with us and we can help them further. sure you found that helpful basic information about admissions from Cathy to uh, which will benefit you and your governing board in the coming weeks. We're going to miss Cathy in the Diocese of Chichester. She's brought a lot of uh, expertise and, and wisdom to both admissions and school advising and on serving on governing boards as well. Now, mention was made several times of the website from which you can glean a wealth of information. Most dioceses will have that uh, themselves. But if not, then you're very welcome to go to schools.chichester.anglican.org. That's schools.chichester.anglican.org. But if you're not in that diocese, I would thoroughly recommend you not only explore your own diocesan schools website, but also speak to your advisors as well.
if any doubt, always seek advice. So with that in mind, I'm going to close this episode of the Governance Podcast with a prayer and ask that God will bless us all in the coming academic year. Father God, thank you for our schools as they have returned. We pray for the new reception years as they begin their journey through education. We pray for those who've moved to secondary school in year seven and that you will go with them into the future. And we pray for all of our staff and our governing boards as we seek to lead and guide and provide the very best for the children of this time. We ask all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I think the next episode will contain some really good news about the development of the Governance Podcast. In the meantime, may God bless you in all your endeavours this week, next month and for the coming year. Goodbye.